Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Amen. Let's get our Bibles out tonight. And I have to say that I'm a little, how do you say it, pumped up about tonight's service. I'm a little, little, little excited, a little, as they say, juiced to get into it tonight. So go ahead and break open the Bible and understand that the Bible is not simply a historical book. It's actually God speaking to us. And he is encased in his word, his life, and his creativity. And so when you see it on the page, it, it seems to be stagnant. It, it seems to be lifeless. But you see, it's spiritual. What is written down here is what he said with his word. And that's where the substance of what's in this book is present. And so when you take these words and you begin to believe them, as you begin to see them as your reality, as you begin to form what it says in your heart and then vocalizing through your actions, especially in what you say, then you release that life and that creativity that God breathed into the Word of God, and then it starts working for you and me. So we need to have a steady diet of his life, his creative power. And that way, it'll be not only in our heart, but it'll start to be on our tongue. And that's when the creativity begins. You ready to hear the Word tonight? Father, load us up tonight. May we restock, as it were, the shelves of our heart with the Word of God tonight. May we push out all that the world has tried to sow into us today. And tonight, we choose to just fill our heart with your truth, which contains your life and your creativity. Father, we choose to be good stewards of the Word that you've given us to use it to create your will in our life. We claim it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're continuing what we began, I believe it was last Wednesday. We talked about vision, what vision is and how it's important for us not only to have vision, but to create the vision that we have in our heart. And so if you want to put a title on tonight, it's kind of attached to what we said, but not continuing from what we said. What do I mean to say? We're on the same subject. We're just going to climb the mountain a different way tonight, all right? So the subject is still vision. We're just going to talk about it from another perspective. And so if you want to put a title on tonight, you can say vision. Everybody say vision. Vision for the new year. Has uh, anyone remembered the last time you had to write the year in the last three days? Have you remembered to write 2024? I'm really good at it all the way through February. And then something happens, and then a couple of times I'll write a check with the year that has passed by. But I'm not going to do that this year. I'm, I'm over that. Amen? We're going to talk about vision for the new year. And we have a... It's part of our culture. It's part of our heritage. It's a part of what we do in America. 
is that we enter into a new year and we begin to make resolutions. We begin to set goals. We, we, we map out what we want to accomplish in that new year. And that's scriptural. Maybe not the way the world does it, but it's scriptural for you and I to make course corrections in our life to make sure that we're staying on course. Because you can fly in an airplane and you can look out the window and you just look like you're going where you're supposed to be going, but you don't know the winds up there, the winds aloft can push you this way and that way, and you don't even know and notice that you're off course. So you get the old GPS on, you go, ooh, I got to make a course correction to get me heading to where I'm supposed to be going, not where I am now currently going. And that's the way life is. I, I think of it this way. Life is like being on a boat on a river. And how many of you know that a river is constantly moving, is constantly flowing, is constantly going downhill, is going somewhere? And so you can get into a, a boat and sit there and just be motionless, not doing anything inside the boat. And that flow will just carry you where it wants you to go. And that's the way it is with the world. We have to actually go against the world's current. We have to go against the world's ways of doing things. And we have to put power in going in the opposite direction of the current. And so... What we do around the first of the year is we decide, hey, wait a second. I didn't get all that I wanted last year, but you know I'm going to get it all this year. And so we make a new evaluation. We take, we take and load our heart with vision, and then we begin to pursue that vision. And we start going up the current of what the world is trying to take us, and we go the way the Lord wants us to take us. So I've made a decision about 2024. I've made a decision. I say that this year that we have entered into for me and my house is going to be a great year. It's going to be a year of accomplishments. It's going to be a year of victories. It's going to be a year where there's going to be less of the world in my life and more of God in my life. So this year is going to be a great year for me and mine. Now, some might say, well, well, did the Lord tell you that you're going to have a good year this year? Well, not in so many words. But what did he say over there in Mark eleven twenty three? 23? Anybody know what Mark eleven twenty three 23 says? Or as some people call that verse, Hagen eleven twenty three. 23? <laughs> Hallelujah. He says that if you say what you believe is coming to pass, you shall have what you say. If you and I can say words that are anchored in the life of this book, if we'll say words that we believe, we're not, we're not just being a parrot and we're just echoing what he says. I have what I say. No, I'm saying it from my heart. And when you put those things in your heart and you begin saying what's in your heart, what you're saying is coming to pass. And so I'm saying that for me and my house this year, we're going to have the best year ever. It's going to be a year of accomplishment. It's going to be a year of victory. It's going to be a, a year of blessing and 
less of the world and more of what God has for us. Amen? What do you believe is going to happen this year? Don't everybody speak at once. Have you thought about it? I see you out there. <laughs> well, what's your year going to be like? Most people just decide, well, I'll just wait until I get into the year and then I'll tell you. Now, if that's the case, then you're going to be like on that boat going down. If you're not going to do nothing, if you're going to be idle, if you're not going to be pushing against the current, you're going to go with the current. So we have to make some decisions. We have to make some decisions and then we have to pursue them according to the word of God. Let's consider how we can have vision and how we can get the vision to come to pass. You saw this the last time we talked, Proverbs 29, 18. Proverbs 29, 18. It says that where there is no vision, remember what the next part is? My people perish. I like it from the message. Listen to this. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So we found out that vision means sight. It means a dream or a revelation. I like to use the word that helps me to understand what vision is. Vision is a goal. Vision is a target in which we're striving for. It's where we're headed. It's where we're going in God and in the things of God. This word perish means the lack of growth or the lack of accomplishment. To perish is a lack of growth or a lack of accomplishment. So we could put those definitions into Proverbs 29, 18, and we can read this verse this way. This is Proverbs 29, 18, so this is an abridged version or the, the PB uh, version. Where there is no sight, dreams, or revelation, the people have a lack of growth and accomplishment. Let's say it from the positive. Let's take the knots out of there. That's a, it's, a, it's a Nazi verse if you, if you keep calling it the negative side. So let's get the positive side. This is the blessed version. Proverbs 29, 18 says, When you and I have sight, we have a dream, and we have a revelation, the people experience growth and accomplishment. Now, if I asked every one of us tonight, how many of you want to grow and accomplish things? And when I say grow and accomplish, you understand that that's centered around God and who we are in him and what he has for us. Amen? How many of us could honestly say, yes, I want to grow in 2024 and I want to accomplish great things through him in 2024? Can anyone get involved and give me a show of hands? Is it, is it, would you say that that's... It's, it's okay if you disagree. But I think in our heart, we would say yes to that, right? So 
Let's determine how we can accomplish growth and accomplishment. I want you to look at John 10.10. I want you to see this, have this, have this reminded to you or, or to continue to etch this in our inner consciousness. This is Jesus speaking. I'm just reading the second part of the gospel according to John chapter 10, verse 10. You all know this verse. And this is the will of God for you in this year of 2024. He says, I am come that you might have life. And if, and if he had just said that, I think it would have been enough. But how many of you know that our God's too much? How many of you know that our God is, is the God of abundance? I mean, think about the 23rd Psalm. It says that he anoints your head with oil, the cup runneth over. See, he could have just filled our head with the oil, but he gave it to a point where it is, you have ec excess in abundance. And that's exactly what he says here. Not only are you and I to have life, that's his will for you, that's his will for me and for my household. He said that you will have that life, but in an abundance, in abundant measure, running over. Amen? Glory to God. So let's talk about this. I Sometimes when I'm laying something out for us, I like to put it into steps. My wife hates steps, so if she's watching tonight, this is for you, honey. <laughs> get your paper and pencil out. Let's get it and draft this out so you can make it plain. Amen? I want you to get a hold of this principle. I wanna, I, I'm going to map out how you and I can have more of God's life, and that life is pertaining to every part of our existence. It's, it's life, an abundant life in our spirit. It's a life in our mind. It's a life in our body. It's a life in our relationships. It's a life in what God has called us to do. It's an abundance in our finances. Because money is not evil. It's a facilitator. And if you got a lot of money and you do evil, then you're using what God has given you for good for something evil. But if you have a lot of money and you're using it for the work of the Lord, it's good. Amen? You can do, you can do a lot more with excess in that realm than not having enough. So look at this 3rd John chapter 2. Now this is the third epistle, or should we say the third letter of John, but it's only technically one chapter. So I say 3rd John verse 2, you could also technically say 3rd John chapter 1 verse 2. Now he begins in saying this, that Beloved, so who's he talking to? Those who are loved of God. That's those who are in the body of Christ. Those who have been born again. Those who are a part of the Lord's body. He says, I pray. How many of you think that the John, who God used to write this verse, knew what the will of God was? Oh, absolutely. So in the King James, it says, he says that I wish... But you know, the better translation is, I'm praying this for you. This is what John was praying over those that he sent this letter to. And since he sent that letter to you and I, he's saying this to us. It's his prayer for you and I that we may prosper 
And that's the full gamut of prosperity, not simply money, but having a full supply in every realm, in all things, and to be in health. If you ever wondered if it was the will of God for you to walk in health and healing, here you go, here's your verse. But notice how the prosperity and the health come. You ready for it? He says, I pray that you may prosper <clears throat> in all things and be in health, how? Just as your soul prospers. I think a better translation would be just as your spirit man or your inner man prospers. So what John is telling us in this verse is that if you and I, if you and I will take the time to grow in this year of 2024 spiritually, then that's going to cause us to be accessing an abundant life in the other areas of our existence. Amen? See, too many times people go after something in the natural because of a genuine need or desire, but they're going about it the wrong way because many times if you do obtain that, then you will probably lose it. I don't know how many times that we've prayed for people and they received healing in their body, but they were unable to keep it because they hadn't developed their faith to receive it on their own to begin with. And so now they get healed through the faith of someone else, but they didn't let their spirit man prosper or grow in that area, and they couldn't hang on to it. If we'll just begin to concentrate on growing on the inside, we'll start seeing all those things come to us on the outside. And I'll show you scriptures for that. But having said that, the first step for us having a prosperous, successful, an abundant life in this coming year is that we have to make the decision to grow spiritually this year. Meaning that we're going to have to do some of the things that we did last year to grow spiritually, but we also need to reassess and maybe add on some things to do to grow in this coming year. Amen? Look over here in Matthew chapter 6. Going over to Matthew 6, 31. And I made this, this, oh, how do I call this up? What if I would make the decision that I choose to live my life this year like Jesus is returning on January or December 31st of this year? What if I got up every day and I made the decision, I'm going to live my life today knowing or believing that Jesus is going to return yet this year. Would that change our perspective? I think a lot of times the enemy kind of puts us to sleep, spiritually speaking. I mean, after all, we're on our way to heaven. I'm good to go. But don't you think he wants us to also grow every year? Don't we, don't we desire that for our children? And, and sometimes we wish they'd grow up quicker than they do. 
right? I want you to see this in Matthew 6, 31. This is Jesus speaking. And he says, beginning in this 31st verse, he says, Therefore, do not worry. What did he tell us not to do? Don't worry. That'd be a really good thing for you and I to put on our to-do list in this year. Getting free from worry and anxiety. Well, what's a sign that I'm worrying? Well, we say things like, what shall we eat? Where, where am I going to get the money to get groceries this week? Well, guess what? You're worrying. What else would I say? Well, what am I going to drink? Or the young teenagers are going to say, what shall I wear? Well, what you're doing is you're voicing those things that you're worried about. He goes on to say, even the Gentiles, those that don't know God, those that don't have a personal relationship, even they are saying those things. And then he makes this statement concerning you and I. For your heavenly Father knows, what does the heavenly Father do? He knows, what does he know? What you need. And those things that you have need of. Now, how do you know it's the will of the Lord to meet those needs, those natural needs? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? How's he going to get it to us? How, how's he going to empower us to receive those things into our natural life? Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, seek what you're going to eat. He doesn't say, seek what you're going to drink. He doesn't say, seek what you want to wear. No, he says, seek me and who I am in you and what I've given you. And then he says, with his help, he's going to be able to add all things to us. So this is telling us in this year as we set our goals, those things that we want to accomplish, the things that, that, that we want to have God help us in acquiring, the very first thing that we need to do is seek him. We need to grow in him. We need to expand who we are on the inside. You see, there's a spiritual principle that when we take time to grow and to prosper in our spirit, then we'll be positioned to have our needs met. I want you to look at Psalm 37, verse 4. Still on step number one. If we're going to have the best year ever, number one, we have to decide and make a plan to grow spiritually this year. Look what it says in Psalm 37, 4. He says to delight thyself also in the Lord. You see what comes first? This is seeking the Lord first. This is seek ye first the kingdom of God. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and then what happens? And he shall give thee the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord, verse 5. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So, let's make a decision to grow this year. That's going to entail 
me putting down some things and in exchange picking self picking things of the Lord up have you ever had the thought and every one of us has that we've had the thought that I just don't have enough time in the day to spend with the Lord have you ever have you ever thought that thought I know I have But if we'll evaluate how we use our time in a day, we might find that we got all sorts of time. Every so often, I have an iPhone. And if you don't have an iPhone, you're missing out. <laughs> no, it's, it's not the best phone. It's just the best phone for me. But every once in a while, it tells me how much time I'm spending on the phone. And we all know how time on the phone is so vitally important. Because on my phone, I can find out what restaurant you went to today. Uh, I can find out, you know, the, the new car that you bought today. I can find out where you're traveling today. I mean, those, those are very important things to know as I absorb three hours a day on social media. How much time do we sit in front of the TV set? probably less time than we used to because we're on our phone instead. <laughs> but it, 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 it wouldn't surprise me that you and I on an average spend three hours a night watching television. Many of us fall asleep in front of the TV. How much time do we spend doing this and that where there's no redeeming or life-creating attributes to what we're doing? I am so guilty of that. In fact, all you have to do is ask Pastor Marianne, is Pastor Bruce guilty of that? And she's going to say, I'm glad you asked, because he really is. He really needs to get his act together. And she's right. I mean, you know, January is a good time to decide, maybe I should turn this off more. Maybe I shouldn't be so interested with some person I haven't seen in 20 years and what they're doing and eating today. And I'll tell you, when, when you and I try and wean ourselves from this, or we try and wean ourselves from what we used to call growing up the boob tube, the television, it's not going to be easy. Because that's where you and I spend idle time numbing our brain and not stimulating our spirit. So if we really were honest with ourselves, as I'm trying to be with myself at this time of year, and as I'm doing an evaluation of how much time I'm spending doing other things, I'm finding out I got all sorts of time. Like just the other day, I didn't put myself in front of the TV set. I spent time in my, in my bedroom reading the Bible. Started getting some listening material ready for when I go to bed. And I'm going, well, it's time for bed. I go outside in the living room, and I told Mary, I said, well, I'm getting ready to go to bed. And she says, it's 7.30. <laughs> That's how much time I had without being plugged into the TV and not plugged into my phone. And I still had 
an hour and a half, because I've been trying to go to bed at nine. So I still had an hour and a half of free time. And if I could do that last night, how many know I can do that? Well, I can't do it tonight so easily because I'm at church until about 8.30. But you understand what I'm saying? We have a lot more time than we think. And we, 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 we need to just stop and truthfully evaluate our schedules. I should have people cheering at this point, running around the room with excitement because you know it's true. Amen? All right, what's step number one? Make a decision to grow spiritually. And if you're making a decision, you're going to come up with a plan to pull it off. Step number two, draft a plan to accomplish growing spiritually. That's what we just said twice. Look what it says in Habakkuk 2.2. And the Lord answered and said to me, write the vision. He didn't say remember the vision. He said write the vision. There's a vast difference between the two. You see, when I consider the vision and plan it in my mind and don't write it down, how many of you know in a couple of weeks it would be pretty easy to let it slip? Back in the day, we used to have what they called roadmaps. Some of you have no clue of what I'm saying. I live by roadmap. I, I, I traveled quite a bit as a young guy. You know, lived on the East Coast. Every summer I drove all the way to the West Coast. Two summers in a row. When my wife and I were going to Bible school, we traveled from here down to Tulsa. Then for Christmas, we went from Tulsa to Philadelphia, to Tulsa to Long Island, to Tulsa to upstate New York, and then back again. We traveled a lot. And we had to use a road map, which you had to open this thing up that opened... You know, this is the state of Colorado, and here's the state of, uh, you know, Kansas, and here's the state, you know, of Oklahoma. And you had to get them out, you had to get a highlighter, and you had to mark your path. And then my beautiful wife, being, wife the, being the navigator, would be in the jump seat on the right of me, and she's telling me where I missed it. Right? But that map always on track. And this is what Habakkuk is saying. He's saying, when you get direction from the Lord, you need to write down the plan. Because you're going to need to visit it on a regular basis to make sure that you're still on course. He says, if you'll write that vision, if you'll make it plain, then it says you're now empowered to run or to accomplish the one who reads it. And of course, it's telling you as you read it means you're also obeying it. Amen? And you know, this verse is similar uh, to the farmer. Once he sows his seed in a soil that he took time to prepare, he's then confident it's going to produce the chosen harvest. He put a particular seed in that soil he had prepared, so he has a distinct harvest that he's going to gain from it. And that, from that point on, even though he can't see any progress in his field, he still believes he has a harvest. And that's what Habakkuk's saying. Get the vision. Write it down. Make it plain. 
run with that plan. And then even though it doesn't come yet, because the vision is for yet an appointed time, the farmer knows that his harvest is at an appointed time. He's done what he's supposed to do. Now he's just making the laws of seed time and harvest work for him. And that's what we do with the vision. And we begin walking it out. We keep following it. And even though we don't have it yet, we know that spiritual laws are working in our favor. And it says that even though the vision tarries, he says, wait for it, just like the farmer. Wait for it. And what happens? It will surely come. You know, when we get a, a plan from God, and when we write it down, and we, every day, make the effort to follow it and to stay on course, because it's eternal, because, if it's, because it's spiritual, it will surely come to pass. Amen. Number three. We take the time to get the vision. We take the time to write down those things the Lord wants us to achieve. We start growing spiritually. We have to continue to execute the plan. It's interesting that how many times the Bible says that you and I are blessed when we're obedient to him. You see it mapped all the way through the Old Testament. <clears throat> he told that to Joshua. He says, if you'll follow my commandments, if you'll follow my precepts, he says that I will prosper you. He says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate in that word day and night, that you may observe to do, that you may follow the plan, that you may do what God is directing you to do. He says, then I'll make your way in what you do prosperous, and you'll have good success. You see, there's this element in our life that many Christians fail to see. We have to be the doer of what God instructs us to do. Too many times we want God to give me this. Lord, give me this. I'm believing you for this. Well, it is his will for us to have those things. But it's not up to him to be directly responsible for creating it in our life. We're going to get into this a little bit maybe next week. Let me just give you a foretaste. What did God do for all of humanity? Well, he created the earth, right? And he dressed the earth. And everything that he put in the earth has everything that we need. Have you noticed that we went from two people to right now approximately seven and a quarter billion people? on the earth. I would say that's quite a change. Have we run out of oxygen yet? Huh? Have we run out of food yet? And, and you're talking, I'm talking about intelligent people who know how to breathe 
and, and, and know how to grow food and prepare food and eat food. You see, everything that you and I need has already been made by God. What, what if Adam, after all that God created for him, and that's why man was created last. If man was the focal point of God, why did he create him last? Because he had to create for Adam everything that he would need before he was on the earth. But could you imagine Adam going to God? I'm hungry. I'm starving down here. I'm really hungry. You think God's going to come down to the earth, grab a banana off a tree, and peel it for him and stick it in his mouth? But that's a mentality that many of us Christians have. We feel like God is our waiter. You know, the waiter that waits our table. And he's supposed to serve us. Well, God's already done for you and I everything that he needs to do for you and I. Anybody smile right here? Can you smile? <laughs> Help me out. No, he expects us then to receive what he's already given. And many times that's us using our faith. It's us going out and doing those things necessary to have these things. He's not just going to not only provide it for us, but then also feed it to us. And that's why we have to walk out these plans. And we have to begin doing the plan that he gives us. Because only the doer is the one who's blessed. Look at this. I'm in James chapter 1. And I'm going to capsulize this as getting, getting to that place where I want to unhook. I'm in James 1. I'm down in, in verse 25. Reading from the New King James. It says that he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. Now, the, the perfect law of liberty is simply the word of God. For you and I, it's the epistles primarily, right? And in the New Testament primarily. Understand that not the entire Bible was written to you, the new creature in Christ. It was written about you, but the epistles from really acts on into uh, third john those are the, the the books that were written to you as a new creature in christ who has been born again and filled with the holy spirit and in those epistles you're going to find out who you are what you have and what god has provided for you Everything that Jesus bought and paid for is now ours, and it has been ours for 2,000 years when he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. So it says here that when we spend time learning what is ours and then learning how to receive it, notice it says when you look into the Word of God, and then he says, and continue in the Word of God. I've had so many people through the years 
when, when they spend X amount of time in, in a church or X amount of time reading the Word of God, they get to this point where they feel like they don't have to read it anymore. They don't have to go to church and hear it anymore because I know what it says. And that's true. Your mind does know what it says. But sometimes we miss the fact that his word is life unto those that find them and substance to all their flesh. A person that comes to this conclusion that he doesn't need to hear the word of God is like the person that finally decides, I'm not going to eat another egg in my life. I've already had eggs. I've had every way that you can make eggs. I've had them this way. I've had them that way. I know what an egg is. I know what it tastes like. I know what it looks like. I'm not going to eat eggs again. Well, you would think that I would have lost my mind. Because eating eggs imparts life into my natural flesh. And that's why I'm eating it over and over and over again. The same is true with the Word of God. We're not reading the Word so we can know what it says. We're reading the Word to get that life into our inner man. We're eating the Word of God. It's faith food. It feeds us. We are spirit beings, and the Bible is a spiritual book, and we have to feed on that spiritual book to bring nourishment into our being. That's why we continue therein. So we've got to be careful that we don't let the Bible bore us. We don't, let the, we don't shut it out when we hear a verse that we've heard a hundred times. No, we think about it, we consider it, we believe it, we feed on it, we get it on the inside of us. And we endeavor to put it in our mouth saying it. So he says, not only are we to look into the Bible, but we're to continue in it. And not to be a forgetful hearer, but what? A doer of the work or a doer of the word of God. Now, what happens when I do what he says in the beginning part of verse 24? I'm looking into the Word of God. I'm continuing into the Word of God. I'm not forgetting what the Word says, but I'm following it. I'm doing it. It says, this one, this person the Bible just described, this one will be what? Blessed. Why? In what he does. In what he does. It doesn't say in what God does for him. No, it says in what he does. So being a doer of the word is how God is able to bless us. Isn't that how we got saved? We had to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. No one in the world could do that for us, even God himself. Only I, from my heart, can confess Jesus as my Savior, because I believe he's the one God sent to save me. And I have to be a doer of calling upon his name. And when I do that, I'm prospering in what I do. And that's the doer of the word. So we grow spiritually. We map out what we desire. Then we begin doing what we have 
believe God for in those scriptures that substantiates what we're believing for. We begin pursuing it, and then this might be the most important thing that you and I are going to do, step number four. And probably the part that we miss the most. We need to monitor the plan. How many of you know that in the world that the majority of the population writes down resolutions to accomplish in that year? Yet, a very small margin, a very small percentage of them accomplish what they set out to accomplish. And the reason is very simple. They just stop following the plan. Guilty as charged. Hey, I'm a really good starter, but I'm not always a great finisher. Amen? So on a regular basis, however it seems right for you and seems right for me, to get that plan back out, the vision back out, and saying, am I pursuing this still? Do I still have the same intensity? Do I still have the same excitement? Am I still doing what I set out to do to get to that finish line at the end of the year? And then we have to be honest with ourselves. Does that make sense? Judge yourself, or I should say, I need to judge myself during the process because it's very easy to fall back into old habits and old ways. Step number one, grow spiritually. Make that choice. Make that decision. Number two, draft a plan. What do you want to accomplish? Make sure you have scriptures for it. Number three, number three, we need to execute the plan. We need to be a doer of the plan. And number four, we need to take time to sit yourself down in the seat and do a self-evaluation. Am I still following the course that he gave me? Father, I want to thank you that it's your plan. It is your will for each one of us to be blessed beyond measure in every area of our life, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, socially, relationally, prosper in our body with health and vitality and strength and to have an overflowing supply, to take care of our family and also the cause of Christ. Father, this has already been provided for us and for all humanity. Help us to actively seek to have these things be birthed and have it be a part of our life. May we set out a course for this year. May we set out on a course for, in these different areas of our life to grow spiritually and then to begin causing what you've provided for us to become a reality in our life. Hallelujah. You said, Lord God, that if we would put your word into our heart and speak it out with our mouth and continue therein that we shall be blessed in what we do.
we choose to be the blessed ones this year and to have the best year we've ever had. We thank you for it. We believe you for it. We thank you for the plan. Amen. So say this out loud. This year, this year, is going to be the best year of my life. Amen.